Welcome to God's Truth. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison, as we embark on a new great year and looking at the New Testament of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will be looking at who Jesus was, his life, his ministry, his teachings, uh, the way he interacted with people, the way he interacted with the false religious leaders of his day, and we, the, be a, so we'll be looking forward to that this year here in the New Testament. And as uh, one of his witnesses, I bear testimony this day that Jesus is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior, our Redeemer, our all. We welcome you this year. We welcome you to the feet of Jesus Christ as we look at these, these mighty scriptures in the New Testament. In the other books of scripture, we have Jesus speaking from the heavens. We have a small part where he appears to the third Nephi, to, third Nephi to the Nephites as the, resurrect, as the resurrected Lord. But it's only in the New Testament where we have his entire life from the day he was born as a babe in Bethlehem all the way to, the death, to his death and resurrection from the dead. And that's what we'll be focusing the first several months of this year on Jesus Christ. And then following that, we'll be looking at what the early apostles said and taught about Jesus Christ, those who interacted with Jesus. What did they learn from Jesus and what were they teaching to the people? So we'll look at that, including epistles written by his own brothers. A lot of people don't know that, but the, uh, the epistles of James, epistle of Jude, those are two brothers of Jesus. He has three, he has four brothers, three of which serve as uh, apostles, Members of the Quorum of the Twelve, two of them become the president of the church, then both James, and then he's followed by Simon. Okay, so we'll look today, and we'll look here at the birth of Jesus as taught by Matthew in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke uh, chapter 1. So let's look here first, and we'll look at uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And we read, and the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Both the prophet Abraham and the prophet David were both promised that the Messiah would come forth through them, through their lineage, right? So if this had been Jesus Christ, the son of uh, uh, Nathan and, uh, Abs and uh, uh, you know, um, Saul, <laughs> we know he's not. He's not the promised Messiah, right? Uh, uh, here, so that's the first verse here, trying to show uh, Matthew that he was the son of David, the son of Abraham, and therefore the Messiah. And so then he goes on and talks about his uh, genealogy. And we get his uh, uh, genealogy here, and we learn about four women, right? That he comes forth from four uh, uh, women, Tamar and uh and, and then we get the uh, uh, Rahab, the, the prostitute in Jericho. Uh, we get uh, Bathsheba. Uh, and we get, um, and, and we also have uh, Ruth, right? So uh, these four women, all of whom had sexual uh, uh, indiscretions, right? <laughs> sexual situations uh, arise as, uh, as the whole point of, uh, of uh, the New Testament here is that Jesus is reversing the uh, sexual sins as committed by the watchers or the angels of heaven who came down on Mount Hermon, uh, the 200 of them who swore and made oaths with each other to have sex with the children of mankind, with the daughters of man, and then they produced these giants. We saw that last year in the Old Testament. Uh, this was uh, this became uh, enlarged and, uh, and talked about a lot more in the first century um, uh, Judaism. Uh, this supposedly is, um, also comes out of the book of Enoch. Uh, Enoch talks a lot more about what happened here and names their leader, Shemayasa uh, and, and Azazel, and uh, tells a lot more about this detail, but uh, they'd committed a sexual sin. And so here in the genealogy of Jesus, Jesus is going to reverse the sins of mankind brought uh, uh, through sexual, uh, illicit sexual relations uh, you know, and so therefore, he, yeah, that's why they're trying to show he's uh, uh, the uh, descendant of these four women, right? Remember Tamar? Uh, you know, uh, she plays the harlot, pretend to be a, a prostitute, and got pregnant by her father-in-law, uh, Jacob, right? 
Uh, she got tired waiting for the last son. Uh, uh, Judah accused her that she'd killed off his first, you know, three sons. And so on the fourth one, he was hesitant to let her kill him him off too, right? But uh, according to their law, he was, she was entitled to marry the fourth son and to raise up seed unto the first son that, that, that died. Uh, but uh, Judah was not allowing uh, the youngest son yet to, to marry this woman, Tamar. So Tamar dressed up like a prostitute, convinces Judah to have sex with her. She gets pregnant. Judah finds out that she's pregnant. And uh, what does she do? She says, well, I, was, I got pregnant by the man that owns these, right? And showed the, uh, uh, you know, the items that uh, Judah left with her as a pledge that he'd bring a goat on his next return to that village, right? So then she knew that, so then he knew that uh, that she's pregnant with his own children. So we get that here in the genealogy. Uh, later on, we get the uh, prostitute Rahab in uh, Jericho. And uh, the spies come into Jericho and uh, Rahab hides them and, and then lets them down as the, uh, uh, once the soldiers uh, go forth and, so they let her tie a ribbon on, on their door to uh, mark that the Israelites, when they came in to conquer Jericho, should not kill that family. And she becomes a descendant. Uh, now, also, these are, you know, uh, possibly they may all be Gentile women. So once again, he's coming forth through, again, illicit uh, relations uh, with the uh, ancient Israelites, supposed to be having children in marriage with Israelites. But yet here these uh, foreign women, uh, Non-Israelites are coming forth and becoming the ancestors of Jesus Christ. Uh, we, then the next one there would be uh, Ruth. We know Ruth was a Moabitess, right, from Moab. And then um, what does she do? She uncovers uh, Boaz's uh, regal, right, which is a euphemism for his uh, for his genitalia, right? So he's, he's drunk, and uh, she takes his clothes off, but then... Uh, apparently does not actually have sex with him. So when he comes, the, when he the alcohol wears off, then he's like, he calls her a virtuous woman because she, quote, uncovered his feet. <laughs> we, we looked, when we looked to Ruth, it's not his feet that she uncovered. But as uh, so I said, you're a virtuous woman. You could have taken advantage of me. You didn't. And now he proposes marriage to her. Uh, so again, you know, kind of interesting here, right? So, and then, um, and then, um, so we get those um, uh, women there. The next one, Bathsheba. Now, Bathsheba, again, we think was probably a Hittite. She's married to Uriah the Hittite. And she does have a Hebrew name, meaning daughter of seven. Uh, and uh, uh, some have proposed that uh, daughter of seven would be uh, symbolic also of a prostitute. So she may have been a prostitute. Uh, at uh, any rate, she has uh, illicit uh, uh, sexual relations with David. Uh, King David uh, gets her pregnant. Uh, they then kill off uh, uh, her husband Uriah by sending him to the front of the line of the war and the, and the wall of the city, and he gets killed off. So then David marries Bathsheba. So once again, Jesus coming through the very imperfect people who made a lot of sexual sins and uh, reversing these original sins that uh, were brought upon uh, mankind. Uh, it's uh, important to know that uh, we're in apostate Christianity. It, they've come to view this Adam and Eve as this origin of sin and evil into the world, uh, where, the, where true Christianity uh, is taught by the Latter-day Saints, that the fall was actually a necessary component uh, to begin to have, uh, you know, children and so forth for Adam and Eve to have, uh, again, leaving aside all those outside the Garden of Eden, but nevertheless, those for Adam and Eve to be able to have children, bring forth, have the joy in their posterity, uh, and uh, bring the gospel uh, uh, on the planet uh, Earth in its fullness. And... Uh, and so we, so Adam and Eve were were not really the originators of evil. Uh, first century Judaism, uh, you know, with, with Enoch, the big deal was this was these watchers. They came down from heaven, had sex with the children, with the daughters of mankind, and produced uh, uh, giants in the land. Uh, they believed that that uh, this is where the demons came from. That as these giants died. 
that the spirits of these Nephilim uh, would remain on the earth and start to tempt and torment uh, mankind. Uh, so this was uh, the origin of the evil was the watchers who came down from heaven, the angels that came down from heaven and fell and had sex with the daughters of mankind, produced the giants in the land. But this was the um, uh, introduction of evil into the world. Uh, we're told by First Enoch that they brought in all kinds of knowledge uh, to the world, right? And including uh, how to seduce people uh, and uh, how to beautify themselves, uh, how to apply, uh, uh, you know, makeup to their faces and their eyes and so forth. And so we get this reversal of what took place at uh, Mount Hermon. And we will see that throughout the, here in the New Testament uh, where uh, Jesus will continue to deal with the uh, evil spirits. Now, of course, we know through true Christianity that that uh, a lot of these demons that may, may be the Nephilim, we're, we're open to that possibility, but where the, ma the majority of them are coming from is this one-third rebellious uh, host of heaven, the one-third that uh, rebelled against our Father in heaven, and then were cast out in Revelation chapter 12 upon the earth, and they've been here on the earth tempting mankind ever since that day. Okay, so now let's uh, uh, look on to 16 through 25. And Jacob, the grandfather of Jesus, uh, uh, grand, uh, grand, grandfather, uh, um, in other words, uh, step-grandfather, right? And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon into Christ are 14 generations. Now, whether they were or not, this is symbolic here. And it's a play on the name of David. Uh, in, uh, in the Jewish mysticism, they look at numerology and numbers and so forth. Well, David, the, uh, the two Ds, right? The number four, right? So that's eight. And the uh, uh, v is, is six, right? So four plus four plus six is 14. So, you know, there's no, no, no uh, number equivalence for, for the vowels. So we get the number 14 from David's name. And now here's a play on it. There were 14 generations, uh, you know, uh, uh, from Abraham to David and 14 until the Babylonian captivity and then 14 uh, from uh, uh, Babylon into uh, Christ. Okay, now on the birth of Jesus Christ, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse, now, now married, married to, they'd already been married, they just were not living together, right? They were married, technically married. Therefore, for uh, uh, Mary to have sexual relations with someone other than Joseph, that would be considered adultery, right? And Mother Mary was espoused, not engaged, espoused, married to Joseph before they came together. So before they were living together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Now, what was the punishment for a woman caught in adultery? You strip her naked and you stone her with stones that she died. But he didn't want to make her a public example to other possible adulterers by stripping her naked and throwing stones at her until she dies. Therefore, he thought about trying to, you know, hide her, hide her someplace, right? But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord. Now, remember, the angel of the Lord often does refer to God himself. Remember, we saw several scriptures like that in the Old Testament last year, right? So a lot of people think this was just an angel. No, this is God. This is God appearing to Joseph in a dream. Now, that's significant. Remember, we've looked at this several times. Because according to Numbers 12, right, how do you know if there's a prophet among you? I, the Lord God, will appear to him in a dream, right? So here's God appearing to Joseph in a dream. Joseph is a prophet, right? He's not just the stepfather of Jesus Christ, but he is a prophet, of Jesus Christ. Saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. A lot of people, again, 
mistakenly think that he's saying, don't be afraid to marry, to go ahead and, and uh, go through the marriage ceremony with Mary. No, they're already married. They're just not living together, right? They would do that later on. They would uh, live together. So fear not to take unto thee, marry thy wife, thy wife. She is your wife, right? Take her uh, unto you, right? And start to live together now as husband and wife, not just be married legally to her. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth an son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means he will save, right? Because why? He shall save his people from their sins, right? Now, uh, so Jesus' very significant name, meaning he will save, right? And that's what Jesus does. He will save. Now, who does he save? His people, right? From their sins. We'll, lay, we'll learn later on from Paul. He died for the members of his church. That's who he died for. He didn't die for everybody else, right? He died for the members of his church. Now, he turns around and invites all mankind to become a member of his church, to be one of those of whom he died for, but he died for the members of his church. Therefore, he will save his people, the members of his church, the members of his bridegroom, the church is his bridegroom in the book of Revelation, the members of his bridegroom he will save from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And here's the first misquotation of Isaiah 7.14. We looked at the at what Isaiah 7.14 was really referring to when we taught Isaiah uh, chapter 7 last year. So those of you who'd like to look at that, you can go ahead and look at that. But this first misquotation of that uh, verse of scripture. So let's go ahead and we could probably just cross that out not inspired scripture here as this is pertaining 100% to Isaiah's wife having a kid before the before the war between Assyria and Ephraim right it's very clear in Isaiah 7 if you read Isaiah 7 and then in verse 8 verse 3 chapter 8 verse 3 he goes in unto the prophetess and she conceives a child and uh, and so forth in fulfillment of that so it already happened in the days of isaiah when isaiah went unto the prophetess right uh but nevertheless they tried uh, you know you got to bless their hearts they were trying these ancient whoever is responsible here for for matthew uh, 23 not matthew not matthew matthew did not write uh, matthew chapter 1 verse 23 he would not have included this reference this reference is not unfortunately as much as we'd like it to be, it's not reference to Jesus Christ, right? It's a reference to Isaiah's wife and Isaiah's kid having, and Isaiah having a kid, right? And before the time that he should, uh, you know, it's a prophecy there, uh, as he would fulfill that back around 732 BC, right? Okay, so Matthew did not write this. This is a later scribe, later editor, trying now to go forward take these events in the life of Jesus and try to bring in prophecies. Now, there's already 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in the life of Jesus. So we didn't need, you know, you don't need to just keep adding and just, uh, you know, what they call it, uh, um, uh, gapping for straws or, or something like that, right? To, you know, just take the clear-cut reference. There's already so many prophecies in the Old Testament to prove that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament that you don't really need to include every possible stretch of the imagination here, right? So the later editor, bless his heart, is trying to bring in scriptural citations to prove that these things are a fulfillment of the scriptures. But this Isaiah 714, unfortunately, uh, we, uh, look at the lesson from last year, you'll, you'll see that. Okay, so now, then Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. So his wife, Mary, right? She was married to him when she got pregnant by God, right? And so we'll look at Luke in a moment here. And he knew her not. He did not have sex with her until she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He will say, then he had sex with her. So it's saying he had sex. He did not uh, know her, which is a euphemism for sex. He did not know her 
until she had brought forth her firstborn son. Right now, the Catholics think that somehow she was always a virgin. But already here in the first chapter of Matthew, it's implying right away directly that they had sex right after Jesus was born. They had sex. We learn that later on he has four brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and, and Jude, or Judas, right? Okay, so now let's move on to Luke. Here we go, Luke. Luke chapter 1. All right, and there's a lot of good things here in Luke, beginning, beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth and order a declaration of those things, which are most surely believed among us. So what do we learn right away here? There are many Gospels. They're not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are just four that won out and got a, a approval of the church to be included here in the standardized canon of the New Testament. But there are many Gospels that had been written that were floating around at that period of time. Even as they delivered unto them and to us, which were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee an order most excellent, Theophilus, the lover of God. He's probably a Gentile that became a, a, a Jewish person and then later converted to Christianity, lover of God, Theophilus. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. You've been instructed a lot of things. I want to tell you that the things you've been instructed are certain and are true. I'm going to prove that here in the book of Luke. Now, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So they're both Levites. Now we're going to learn that Elizabeth is cousins to Mary. So what tribe does Mary come from? Levi, right? Therefore entitled to the priesthood. And so Jesus would be entitled to the priesthood. He was born through the lineage of Levi as well as Judah, right? For the kingship. So he gets the kingship uh, through the tribe of Judah. And he gets the, the priesthood through the tribe of Levi. And they were both righteous before God. Now, they were not just being good people here. They righteous. This is now in the context of Judaism. They were very righteous people. So they would only take so many steps on the Sabbath. They would not kindle a fire on the Sabbath. Uh, in, in these sort of uh, the mosaic regulations, uh, they, would, they were righteous in keeping these things. Later, we're going to learn that Joseph was righteous also, again, in terms of keeping the law of Moses. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was the burnt incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, which was two weeks per year. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So the, all the people were outside the temple praying at the time that Zacharias going into the temple to burn incense to God. And there appeared unto him angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So again, could have been angel or may have been God, right? God's often referred to as the angel of the Lord. He probably probably could be God here, although we see Gabriel showing up multiple times here in these, in these early chapters. So it may have been Gabriel here as well. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall yet bear thee a son. You've been waiting your whole life for this blessing. You had received the blessing of the Lord that this day would come. It looked like when you, the moment that you had given up on this promise. Now God is fulfilling this. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall become great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. We've seen this several times 
throughout the Bible that avoiding wine or strong drink. This is not something invented by Joseph Smith. This is not something invented by restored Christianity. This is something that's always been in the Bible to abstain from wine and strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord, shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go be, remember we learned later on that all the people, according to the Pharisees, all the people viewed John as a prophet. So he's, he was so mighty as a prophet that they all recognized him as a prophet. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So not only will he uh, uh, go in the power of Elias and turn uh, and somehow engage here in some temple work, turning the, uh, the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, the just one, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to make people prepared for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Zacharias said unto the angel, how should I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is uh, really old too. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, meaning the man of God. Isn't that interesting? Last we heard of Noah, what was Noah doing after the flood and God saved him and his family on the ark? Right? <laughs> what did we last hear about Noah? He was a he was a drunk, a naked drunk, passed out, right? So this naked drunk, passed out guy, is yet known as the angel, the man of God. So how, again, showing that God's mercy, great, God's great love to mankind, that you can be a drunk, a naked drunk in this life, but yet somehow still, because God judges on the heart, he can still work with you, that if you have the right heart and the right attitude towards him, he can turn you from a, from a naked drunk into a man of God. An angel, one of the seven archangels, one of the seven greatest angels is Noah. He says, an angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. And then said to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou don't, you don't believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so it is. We've seen several references in the Old Testament. We'll see several references of Jesus Christ here in the New Testament. Those who refuse to hear the gospel, those who turn their uh, back against the gospel, God will do the same thing to them. Not a physical uh, making them dumb and unable to speak, but in terms of understanding the gospel. They'll make it so that it's impossible for them. It's as though they're dumb and deaf. Uh, to the gospel they they can't comprehend it because they don't you know they don't want to they don't they don't want to receive the fullness of god's uh, truth in verse 21 and the people waited for zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple now this is of course important because what do we know right uh the, before the priests would go in there what would they do right they would, first of all, they would um, put uh, bells on him, right? He's got bells. And then they would tie a, a, a rope to his sash. So as he's around in there, as he's walking around, they should hear these bells ringing, right? And as long as the bells are ringing, they know that the priest is still alive, that God has not showed anger and, and struck the priest dead, right? Now, if those bells were to cease ringing, then... They got they they can't go into the temple because only the the priests can right and, and so uh, what they got to do now they got to pull the rope and pull and pull the dead priest out of the temple right so here we're here we're getting this that um, that they're they're marveling that he tarried so long in the temple they know he's still alive because they can still still hear the bells right if the bells had stopped they would think he's dead and they would have pulled him out but. They're, they're marveling that he's taking so long in there, but yet they're still hearing the bells. They know he's still somehow walking around. He's still he's still alive. So that's what the 21 here is about. And the people waited for Zacharias because they knew he was still alive because they could still 
still hear the bells, and they marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless, so he was not able to speak in fulfillment of what the angel had just said, that he would be dumb and unable to speak. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth did conceive in fulfillment of the promises of God given through the angel and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth, right? So now he's going to be sent here uh, to the um, uh, uh, to Nazareth to appear to Mary. And in the sixth month, they, let's see, uh, to a virgin, uh, a spouse to a, a man, married to a man, right? A virgin married to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind, what manner, why is he talking to me like this? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will save. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And the end of his kingdom, there shall be no end, as he is Jesus Christ, Lord God, uh, Savior of the world. There will be no end to, his, uh, to the increase of his government. Then said Mary unto the angel, How can this be, uh, seeing that I have not had sex with a man? And the angel answered and said to her, Here we go. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. So let's look here again. 35, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you to, uh, to, to put a, uh, make a change within your body, to allow you to withstand the presence of Almighty God as he's about to touch, uh, as he's about to touch you, right? And he's going to, so, and he's going to overshadow you. Now they're trying to be polite and respectful to, to God, but at the same time, they're trying to say, look, they're trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not the Son of the Holy Spirit, right? Not the Son of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Mary did not just magically suddenly become pregnant, right? He was, she was overshadowed by God. The Holy Ghost comes in, uh, puts a change in her body to be able to withstand the presence of God without being consumed, without dying, so she could withstand the presence of God. Then God overshadows Mary, right? So it's like, you know, you can't say it any more clearer than that while still trying to be you know, respectful and, and without trying to be crude here, right? But God overshadows Mary and becomes the father of Jesus Christ. Now, we get in the Apothecal Gospels, in the uh, 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 Bartholomew, uh, Gospel of Bartholomew, where there was a courtship involved here, right? It wasn't like Mary had no choice here. God just forced Mary to be the mother of his child, you know, what kind of God does that type of thing? No. They had some kind of, in the uh, gospel of Bartholomew. We get the, uh, we, we have a courtship, right? We have that Mary is a, um, a uh, handmaid in the temple. She's in the temple. God appears to her in the temple. They eat together. They have a dinner date, right? And so we don't know how extensive this was, but they at least had dinner together before. She had a choice. In this, God did not just force her. God did not just, you know, kind of rape her or anything like that. Like some some critical people like to 
make this out to be. Mary had free will, free, free, uh, free will, free agency to choose uh, her whether she would accept her relationship with God the Father and become the uh, mother of Jesus Christ. Then, no, having gotten to know God at least to a degree, having had dinner with Him, she chose to go forward and to be the mother of Jesus Christ and to have this relationship with God the Father. Okay, therefore he shall be called the Son of God because he is the Son of God. Now they had prophesied this for years, for hundreds and thousands of years. They had prophesied that God would have physical relations with a woman and produce a child. That's why you have this Greek legends of, of Zeus coming down, having sex with a with a, a human a woman and producing a son, a son of God. This all came out of the original prophecies given to Adam that this would happen, right? Then it got distorted into these false religions over time. But the same idea still was there, that God would come down, have sex with one of the, the daughters of mankind and produce a son of God who would go forward and do all these mighty works on behalf of mankind, right? Okay, so now in 36, and behold thy cousin Elizabeth, so we know Mary led Levite, and uh, uh, therefore entitled to, through her lineage to have the, that her uh, male descendants could have the priesthood. She also has conceived the son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, and you should all memorize this first, maybe write it down on your refrigerator sometime. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid. Of, so, so let's look at that again. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So God is trying to stamp his approval on both of them, John and Jesus. Saying that not, not, nothing for God would be, you know, that would be impossible. Showing that God was behind the birth of John. Because his parents are too old to have children. Therefore, John is a miracle baby. John is a, is a, is, has been provided by God to be a forerunner, to be a prophet of Jesus Christ. You know, and, and, uh, and then this virgin has this relationship with God. And, and has a child, uh, Jesus. So two, you know, miraculous type of uh, births here, both through normal bodily functions, but out of the ordinary way that, that things take place, right? Old people generally don't have children, right? Women don't generally have children with God, right? They're both ways here. So God's showing here that nothing be impossible and that he's behind both of these births. And 38, and Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. Whoa, think about David, right? When they lost the Ark of the Covenant, David went and found the Ark. Where did he find it? Exactly in the same location, didn't he? In the hill country of Judah, right? That's where David found the Ark of the Covenant. So here you have Mary as, uh, you know, having been uh, uh, foreshadowed by David of old, and uh, that now you got Mary going to the hill country of Judah, you know, uh, you know, as the Ark of the Covenant, right? Well, wait till you see this. Well, what happens here in the hill country of Judah? So you got Mary here carrying the true Ark of the Covenant, Jesus Christ inside of her now in the hill country of Judah where the ark had been found, right? And so it says here, and entered into the house of Zacharias in verse 40 and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe John leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So what do we have here, right? We have a naked baby, John, a prophet of the Lord, leaping in front of the true Ark of the Covenant, just like David. 
when they found the Ark of the Covenant in the hill country of Judah, they brought it to Jerusalem. And David, remember, danced naked before the Ark of the Covenant as he was so happy about this Ark coming to Jerusalem. He dances naked in front of the Ark. Here you have baby John dancing naked in front of the true Ark of the Covenant, Jesus Christ. Very powerful verses of scripture here. And that it was so powerful that Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And then she speaks out, uh, you know, under the spirit of prophecy, now having been moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and says, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation, as soon as your voice was sounded, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And what a great lesson that is for us today, right? Do we do that? When we hear the salutation from the Lord, do we leap? Do we leap out of joy and excitement that here's a word of the Lord coming to us? You know, we should leap each time we read the scriptures, the words of Jesus Christ, leap, right? When you hear the words coming through prophets and other inspired uh, 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 man and uh, woman, Leap, right? Says here, leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. The things that the Lord told her will be fulfilled. Who is God that he should tell a lie, as the scriptures say, right? He will not tell lies. And Mary said, my soul, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For it's regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. She's just a uh, handmaid in the temple. Uh, she's not a prophetess at, at that point. We see in the Old Testament there were prophetesses, right? And she's not. She was not a prophetess at least at that point. She was just a young handmaid, right? Twelve to fourteen uh, years old is what most scholars would, would 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 place her at. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, right? So. You know, he's regarded that I was a low person here. I was just a handmaid in the temple. Uh, but yet all generations shall call me blessed. Now, what does it not say here? It does not say that all generations from henceforth shall worship me, uh, that all generations should pray to me, right? You know, the Catholic Church, they're wrong to do that. Mary is not saying that all generations shall pray to me, right? She's saying they should all Call me blessed only, right? And know that she was a highly chosen individual of, of God, right? And had this relationship with God and, and had, was the mother of Jesus Christ. But that's the extent of it, right? To, we have high respect for her, but we don't pray to her. We don't worship her. We don't do those kinds of things. That's not right. You pray only to Jesus Christ. We see that in the book of Revelation. When the angel appears to John, John wants to fall down and worship the angel. And the angel said, no, you don't worship me. I may be an angel, but you don't worship me. You only worship God and him only. Right? Okay, then um, it goes on here in 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. The beginning of wisdom is fear. We saw this several times in the Old Testament last year, right? But yet in today's society, they don't fear God, do they? They you know, he's just tolerant. He just tolerates evil. Just tolerate. We do whatever we want in our lives. We could uh, do engage in gross wickedness. He just loves, 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 tolerates, tolerates, tolerates. That's uh, not. That's not God, folks. Not the God of the Bible. Not the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus of reality, not the Jesus that is alive, not the Jesus that's going to soon come back with his angels and destroy all the wicked. And in 51, he has showed his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. So it looks like she probably helped her give birth, but then 
hightailed it out of there, right? <laughs> Helped her with the birth, but when it's time to start changing diapers and feeding the baby, she's gone, right? She's just gone. She takes off immediately, right? Okay, that's great. There's always great humor here in the uh, scriptures when you when you pay attention to what you're reading here. I think they do it on purpose, too. Okay, so let's go on here. In 57, now Elizabeth full-time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her that she had a son in her old age. And it came to pass on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father, because that's what you would do in that society. You named the kid after your, uh, you know, after the father. But his mother had said, no, his name should be called John. They say, but you don't have a relative named John. And then they go to Zacharias, and they try to do some kind of sign language to Zacharias to ask him if, if that's okay, that is, you know, should his name be Zacharias, or, or what's going on here? So he asked for a writing table in verse 63, and he wrote, saying, his name is John. And they all marveled. And his mouth was opened immediately at that point in fulfillment once again that the angel said he'd be dumb and unable to speak until the birth of the, of the baby. And his tongue loosed and he spake and he praised God. And fear came on all them that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts. They thought, well, he must be, he's going to be a great prophet or a great person on this earth. But, well, just be quiet for now. It's going to take, you know, 20, 30 years for him to, to grow up. So we don't, don't need to make too much of fuss about it. We just be quiet about it now. And at the appropriate time of the Lord, Lord will bring him out of darkness, out of obscurity to be this great person on the earth. And uh, what manner of child this shall be. And the hand of the Lord is with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And so now he has the Holy Ghost come upon him, as Mary did and as Elizabeth did. And now he prophesies. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And we see that. He grows up, starts baptizing people left and right. He's preaching in the name of God, preparing them to receive Jesus Christ. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. That involved baptism. Well, we'll try to argue and say, oh, it was just some sort of water, uh, uh, some sort of water immersion. Uh, uh, the, the, commitment thing no it was baptism folks for the remission of sins here as it says in verse 77 don't think it's not true baptism that what john was uh, performing he was performing baptism unto the remission of their sins read the bible that's what it says through the tender mercy of our god whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Remember the prophecy we looked at in Isaiah, right? That he'd be there in the shadow, in the in the darkness, in the shadow of death, in the Galilee area, in the land of Naphtali, where there had been a lot of conquests over many years of that area. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And so fulfilling that prophecy of Isaiah where Christ would be and preach the majority of his ministry there in the Galilee region. To guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew, John the Baptist grew, and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of a showing unto Israel. Until the day appointed, then he, God brought him out and blessed him to be a great prophet. As Jesus will say, of those born of woman, there was no greater prophet than John 
the Baptist. We see the Pharisees say that all the people regard John as a prophet. What a mighty prophet John was. It's too bad we don't have more further uh, uh, scriptures about him and more about his ministry. I'm sure there's a lot of things we, we could have learned uh, uh, from him if we had had complete uh, records of it. But suffice it to say, John was a mighty prophet of God. He prepared the way for Jesus Christ. We're going to see in the upcoming weeks, he's going to be the one to baptize Jesus Christ into the remission of sins and showing a good example to those that he's willing to carry out and follow the Heavenly Father's plan uh, and his commandments. He has commanded all to be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For those of you not yet members of the church of Jesus Christ, we issue you an invitation to come forward, become a member of his church and kingdom on the earth. Be baptized into the remission of sins. You can receive the remission of your sins. Receive forgiveness of your sins by being baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God into his church and kingdom upon the earth. Upon that baptism, you will then receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you in the paths of righteousness throughout the rest of your life. For those of you not yet members of his church and kingdom, we will leave in the video in the description of this video a link. Just click on that link. Let the missionaries know you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, God, and Savior, and Redeemer, and that you're willing to keep his commandments and take his name upon you, becoming a Christian, being baptized by those who hold the praise and authority of God. He will then bless you and pour out his spirit upon you as, as you go forward walking in a newness of life and walking hand in hand with the Lord of your souls. For those of you who have fallen in activity in the church, we welcome you with full open arms to come back. Come back to the church of God. Come back to the community of saints. Participate once again with your fellow brothers and sisters who long for you to come and be part once again of God's community, of God's church. Is Ecclesia here upon the earth. Once again, we leave our testimony and uh, of the truthfulness of these things, that Jesus indeed was the Lord, God, Savior, Redeemer, and the King of Israel and the King of all the universe and of, of this earth. We bear witness of his name and bear witness of his living reality that he is alive today. He just as he was alive in the days of the New Testament, he is just as alive today. And we uh, also, in his name and through the authority of his name, uh, we pour out a blessing upon you that you shall have safe shelter overhead, that you shall have food to eat, that you have basic financial resources to be able to carry out his mission, his will for your lives. We uh, leave this blessing upon your heads. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.